I'm back. Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby podcast is back. I've been away for a while. It took only COVID-19 to get me back into the studio and recording this podcast that I sorely missed. Bye-bye SiriusXM. Bye-bye to mainstream media. I want to bring it to you every single week. The updates on my life, the NHL in general, um, and everything sports oriented. Uh, Today's guest will be one of my good buddies, one of the funniest guys and most entertaining guys to ever play in the National Hockey League. The big redhead, the big guru, Mike Commodore, will join me in a little bit. Reintroducing this podcast, um, to me, this is where it's at. Uh, We're in a an era where um, podcasts are so big, but we also, as I want to do, is bring it to video. I'm a visual learner. I like to see what I am listening to, so that's why we are going to be doing it visually. COVID-19, everyone has been affected by it. Um, I certainly have. You will learn more on the podcast as we go through uh, the goods, uh, the good, the bad, I guess, and the ugly of COVID-19, how it's affected myself, how it's affected Mike Commodore. I'm sure his hair is looking pretty sweet. It was shaved the last time I saw it. Probably not the afro that we saw when he won the cup, West Carolina, uh, but I'm certain that it's not going to look pretty. He FaceTimed me the other day, was not looking great himself. The NHL season, what will we do? Will there be a season? Will there be a draft in June or are we going to postpone it? Uh, That's something that we're going to have to all wait and see. I'm for having the draft in June. Let's see who the teams get. Now, we know Detroit has probably the first overall pick. Senators are at two. What will happen? Uh, Which way will they go? I feel bad for the rookies. No draft in Montreal. A great spot for those young boys to get laid. Uh, My draft is in Montreal. I was a good boy and went home early, but uh, we will certainly get into that with my buddy, uh, Kami. Cool Bet. You will get to learn a lot about Cool Bet. Coolbet.ca is the best place, uh, in my opinion, to bet. Uh, Most transparent uh, betting service out there. Very easy to navigate. Um, It is something that will be get talked a lot about on this podcast as I love to bet. I'll bet on any fucking thing in this world. I don't care if it's a cockroach, uh, racing, uh, but certainly hockey, uh, baseball, NBA. I love Tiger Woods. We're always going to bet Tiger. Cost me a lot of money because I'm always laying a lot of odds out there. Uh, UFC, but uh, everything that goes with betting uh, will be uh, with cool bet. You can find all of these podcasts you can find anything you want to know um, about cool bet and betting as well on my website, MatthewBarnaby36.com. I know a lot of people out there um, don't miss me, uh, but they miss Sandra Barnaby. They miss Drambuie Island. Uh, her stories, making fun of her. Fuck, kill, Mary with my mom is always the best. And for everyone that's asked uh, via Twitter, um, through text messages out there, Sandra B is doing just fine. She's in a retirement home, but the alcohol runs are doing well. I have to do two or three of those a week. We'll get her on speaking um, weekly. I know everyone misses uh, Mama B. Uh, Questions from Twitter always will be prevalent in the pods. Stories, uh, yes, from Dennis Rodman, going out with him, shitting my pants afterwards. Uh, 
uh, banging girls on the road back in the day. Nights out before a game. Uh, coaches I hated, coaches I loved, players I loved, players I hated. The cheap ones out there. And yes, my best chirps will all be first and foremost on this podcast. So without further ado, I bring in my guest this week, Mike Commodore, the big redhead. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me on, Barney. You're, uh, you're giving me something to do, a way to fill part of my day. So thank you very much. You are fucking shocking me. I mean, absolutely shocking me with that uh, hair right there. It's it's fucking off the charts. Uh, it's, it's getting back to <laughs> where we were with the robe and the Stanley Cup and uh, really made it a big deal. What's been going on in quarantine here? Not a whole lot. You're pretty much looking at it. I mean, well, there's no barbershops open, so just like everybody else, my hair is growing out. Uh, I guess it's nice to know I can still do it. I've been keeping it high and tight uh, since I retired, but no, everything's good. Um, I went, uh, once this quarantine started to hit, I was sitting in Calgary and I'm like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? I don't have any, like, I mean, like a lot of people, like, I'm fine, but I'm like, where can I go where I might have something to do? And for me, that I can drive to, Penticton was the answer. It was a seven hour drive. I'm like, I'm just going to go hunker down there. So here I am. You're fucking smart. Yeah, you're you're a very smart man. Very smart man. I think we all wish that we were somewhere where we could play golf, at least us golfers. I haven't picked up a club. I'm dying. How much are you playing? I've been playing quite a bit, I think, uh, without counting the rounds. So it kind of worked out where, so I booked a place for March 25th. A buddy of mine is the general manager of Fairview Mountain in Oliver. So long story short, on like the 23rd, he's like, hey, man, he goes, we're golfing here. So I'm like, fuck it. I booked the place. And the day before, the 24th, he calls me. He's like, we just got shut down. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, well, I'm coming anyways. At least it's warmer in Penticton. So I came in here. There was probably a week where the course was closed, maybe 10 days. And then they opened it up. So I think I've probably played. If I haven't played 20 rounds, I'm right there. I'm coming up on it. So I've been playing a lot. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, any stories? Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I, I took a Babcock yesterday. You're, you're, yes. you're, you're, you're going to love this. Uh, my mom had to go to the hospital. So it was essential. She is living in a retirement home. And you, you can't leave. But it was actually, the ban was lifted uh, for Monday. That it's essential. If you have to go to the hospital... Uh, from an old age home, a retirement home, you can go, uh, but you have to come back. You don't have to be quarantined, obviously, pretty well sprayed down with Lysol. Not the kind you drink like Trump wants, uh, but right. you literally have to be sprayed down as you come back uh, into the home. What I've learned, probably my biggest learning curve in this whole COVID-19 was yesterday. I can deal with the hour lines in Starbucks I can deal with, you know, not going out and staying home and e- even the lack of sports. As boring as it is, I-, I can deal with it. Yesterday, I dropped my mom off. And no lie, I had already drank like five coffees during the day. Some some Tim Hortons, some Starbucks. Oh, yeah. I had to fucking shit so bad. And here's <laughs> what I learned in COVID-19 is there ain't no place to shit. No place. I had to hunker down behind a church. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God I had some paper towels in the back. Without the paper towels in the back, 
I mean, I'm totally fucked. What's been the most difficult thing for you in COVID? We know staying at home, it's what we need to do to be better. But have you had any experiences like me taking a Babcock yesterday behind a shirt church? I do. I actually have almost the same thing. So when I told you I came here and the golf courses were closed and I didn't golf for a week, that's kind of a lie. I did go out there. The course was closed, but I went out there and played. There were no pins. There were no nothing. So me... And this guy that I know, I come here every summer to play in this. It's called the Betty Ford uh, Cup. It's just a fun golf weekend golf tournament guys get after. You can imagine what it is. And so me and one of the guys that I know a little bit, but not real well, we go play. So we tee off on 10 because that's closer. And I don't, I had a coffee on the way up, like same thing. So I get to the tee on 10 and I'm like, oh man, like, got to take a shit but i'm like all right well don't i just you know we just getting out here so i play 10 par 11's a par five and i'm like okay right by the t on 12 there's like a there's a bathroom and i'm like i'm hoping it's open i'm like gotta probably isn't but i'm hoping it is so we go we get to 12 t i check it it's locked i'm like oh my god so we play 12 and like i'm gonna shit my pants and so we finish up on 12 and i don't you know if it was you and i out there you know, no big deal. But I'm like, I don't really know, know this guy. So I'm like, I'm hurting, like struggling. Yeah. Like I'm starting to sweat. And he's like, he goes up to the next tee. And I'm like, hey, man, I go, I-, I hate to say this, but I'm like, I have to take a shit. And he just laughed. He goes, hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. I'm like, you go ahead and tee off. I'll catch up. So I went out into the bush and I didn't have any. I <laughs> My only option was my golf towel somebody made for me it's got my face on it yeah. with the afro and i'm like this seems kind of wrong i'm gonna have to wipe my ass with my face so hey you've eaten ass, you've eaten, i don't know hey i, I talked to your girlfriend you've eaten ass before so it's not like that you haven't done that <laughs> before you're all good yeah that's true that's a good point uh but yeah i'm like like you know take a shit felt actually it reminded me it's the only time i've ever last time i took a shit outside just in the middle of on the ground was uh, Kilimanjaro. I hiked Kilimanjaro four years ago, and it was the first time I'd ever done it. It took me like four days, and I finally took a dump, and I was like, it was the greatest feeling in the world. And this was very similar. I was like, oh my God, thank God. Use my towel, then I'm like, well, I don't really want to throw like throw it out. So I wrapped it up real tight, put it in the bottom of my bag. I told that guy, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I threw it in the bush. <laughs> and then I watched it when I got home. But yeah, it's like, also, when my when my girlfriend and I drove down here and checked it, like you said, there's like it's one thing for us, like unless you have to take a shit, like you know, you can just take a piss on the side of yeah, the road, yeah. not a big deal. You can piss in a gator but for like demon, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're driving down, and, and she's like, "I'm like, where do we go to the bathroom?" I'm like, "I don't. I, you're gonna have to go in and like tell the the gas attendant, hey, look, like this is an emergency, and they'll usually open it up, then they wash it all down and everything, but." Yeah, it's been interesting times, man, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Too too bad your girlfriend wasn't fat. You could have just said she's pregnant, but she's way too small for that. So would it would have been <laughs> yeah, nice to I date a fatter chick then. <laughs> I'm going to remember that for the next pandemic. Find a fat chick. <laughs> I, I I remember, God, I was nine. No, I was 20 years old. Me and Michael Peck had drove home uh, just in the summer just to hang out, and we had to shit, and he shit on the side of the highway. I remember him going in and grabbing a t-shirt and coming back out and wiping himself jumps back in and i'm like 
all right, what'd you use? He goes, ah, just some t-shirt in the back. It's like a t-shirt I just fucking bought like a week ago. He's <laughs> like, oh, you can wash it. I'm like, nah, I think it's okay. I, I'm making the big money. I'm making 200 grand in the NHL. I'm, I'm good. After taxes, after the agent. You go t-shirt. Oh, yeah. No, we're all good. Talk, talk about Kilimanjaro. Jay McKee just did it. Uh, he just hiked it with his wife like three, four months ago. Said it was insane tough. Uh, so much fun. Uh, but explain that, uh, just doing that. It, it's nothing that I have the desire to do, and I love working out. It just seems like you're paying mm-hmm. ten grand to go fucking torture yourself. You know what? It's I, I thought the exact same thing. I basically got talked into it. A lady that used to work for the Red Wings, her name's Erin. She works for Vegas now, uh, but she does some work for like some military foundations, and she does some work for this Duskin and Stevens Foundation. And I, I like to try and do some things for the military if I can. Yeah. And so, like, after I retired, she's like, uh, hey, Mike, you, you want to do a triathlon? I'm like, Aaron, I appreciate it. But I'm like, yeah, run and bike, no problem. I'm like, I get in the water. I'm like, there's a good chance I'm not getting out. Like, I can swim to save my life for 50 meters maybe. But I'm like, I, I can't do it. Then she's like, well, what about this cross-country, like, motorbike trip? And I'm like, Aaron, once again, sounds awesome. I've only ever been on a bike. I was on a dirt bike once, and I almost ran myself through the end of the garage. I've never been on a bike since. I can't do it. She's like, okay. And then finally, she's like, well, what about Mount Kilimanjaro? So at first, I'm like, well, I'm like, Aaron, I'm not, I I don't know shit about mountain climbing, nothing like that. And I'm like, Aaron, I'm like, I'm not a mountaineer. I'm like, I don't know how the hell to climb mountains. She's like, no, no, no. Mount Kilimanjaro is the highest peak in the world that you can climb. With, with just hiking. There's no, you don't need any mountaineering gear or anything like that. Okay. So I'm like, all right, all right. So I'm like, sure, I'll do it. So it was supposed to be in 2016. I committed in like 2014 probably. And then just kind of forget about it. You know, it's a couple of years down the road. And then the days start coming. Now it's time to pay. And I was the same as you. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm like, I don't, I don't have any interest in this really. But I'm like, I'm committed. I'm in. So I go get all this fucking gear. You pay, and you're right. It's it's not cheap. I want to say, and you got to. My one thing after doing it would be, you have to. It's worth spending the money to get good guides for sure. Yeah. Because I saw myself like if you try and skimp out on the guides, like there's guides there that don't really know what they're doing, and I saw firsthand. Like we ended up summiting, and as we were going up the summit, people were coming back, and I asked our tour, our our guide, I'm like, what are these guys doing? They're like, well, they don't know where to go, so they're just saying the weather's bad and you don't summit. So imagine being on that fucking mountain for a week, and then you don't summit? It's like, so anyway. I'd want my fucking money back. No, if if I'm spending that money and I'm going, first of all, how long does it take? And if I don't get to summit, that's like banging some girl and not getting to come. Like, (laughs) I mean, if you get there, I want the full experience. Yeah, you do. What are you going to say? Like, you're not even going to tell people, yeah, I I hiked Mount Kilimanjaro. And they'll be like, well, but I did it in Summit. It's like, well, what the fuck? Don't even tell me about it then. Um, It took, from the time we got dropped off, we were, we summited on the seventh day. And we were off the mountain by about midway through day eight. We were off the mountain by like one o'clock in the afternoon on the eighth day. So it's like... I would say at least it, there's different ways you can do it. I think there's like, I think the shortest you can do might be like four or five days. We did a little bit longer one because there was a little group of us. Um, I would say there were two, 
like the pace that you walk, like if you were to walk, like you're going slow there. I think their, their slogans like pole, pole, which is like slow, slow. Like if you're, if you were to walk a lap of the track, so 400 meters, yeah, it would probably take you, it would probably take you three or four minutes. Like you're going slow, but you do that. They kind of acclimate you. You go up a little bit, then you come down, you're going around the side of the mountain up and down. I would say the hardest days, the second day, what's interesting is you start, you start at 30 degrees and humid. You start in the jungle. And then by the time you finish, I mean, you're in the snow, you need like snow gear. Yeah. So day two in the jungle was hard. It was steep and it was fucking raining and it was humid. So that day sucked. And the summit day, I, I will say the other days were fine. It was like six hours a day of walking, but six to eight, the summit day, I will say was probably physically one of the and mentally I guess too was one of the harder days of my life like we got up you base camp at like 15,000 feet I think it was and you summit at a little over 19 so we ate like we ate at like I don't know six o'clock at night or something and they're like you guys go to bed so we I was bumped up with this Aussie special forces guy and these guys could sleep anywhere like he's out oh yeah he closed eyes he's out I'm mean, like a fucking dog. And so I'm laying there. I'm trying to sleep. We're going to get up at three in the morning and we're going to start up straight up. Now it's getting real steep. And uh, I couldn't sleep because I'd be like, I'd be laying there and then, you know, not much oxygen. You know, every few seconds I'm like, Jesus, there's not much air here. Yeah. So anyways, three o'clock rolls around. Get up. Let's go. Uh, we some we started at three in the morning. It was obviously pitch blackout. We summited at noon, and then I will say, I think the hardest part of it all, and I didn't believe it. These guys were saying, man, the hardest part's going to be going down, and I'm like, fuck that. I'm like, I can't wait to be going down and get off this mountain. I'm telling you, the hardest part is fucking going down. Really? Like, it was, yeah, it was hard. So they, all of us each had a porter when we summited, and then once we summit, because we stayed together as a group going up, but then once you're going down, they're like, hey, you go at your own pace, go right ahead because the quicker you get down the more oxygen you have so the better you're going to feel and so i had a porter i'm like let's go i was under the impression that our next camp was like a an hour an hour walk away if we went further i thought it was going to be like 45 minutes well i fucked up i was going as fast as i could and it was like seven hours of hiking and you could see the camp in the distance but it was like one of those things where it's like holy fuck, I'm never getting there. So I was going way too fast. And I will say like, I mean, I got to camp. I laid down like on the ground with like my feet sticking out of the tent. And one of the porters, he looked like Snoop Dogg. So I always called him Snoop. <laughs> and I laid, I, I laid down. He like came, took my boots off. He gave me a bowl of soup. He's like, eat, eat. And I'm like, I ate a bowl of soup and I was done. I slept for like 14 hours. Wow. Like it was, it was legitimately really really hard three things three things what did you eat daily did you have any booze up there was there ever like i'm not going seven days fucking climbing a mountain without booze and did honestly did you jerk off like no guy goes seven days without jerking off what'd you eat no booze and were you just like a full rifle when you came home okay (laughs) uh food was amazing so for there was five of us hiking Five of us went up the mountain. The most, probably the most amazing part of it is, you know, like we got all the gear and all the nice yeah. stuff. 
for us to go up the porters part of Tusker trails, there was, I counted it. I want to say there was 25 people working for Tusker. So like a typical day would be like, let's say we, so we start walking to begin with, we get to our first camp, all the tents are set up, everything's ready to go. We get up in the morning, we pack our stuff up, like our personal yeah. stuff. We leave. Once we leave, the porters pack everything up. They fly past us. These guys are got smokes in their mouth. They got like fucking work boots on and they're wearing jeans. I'm like, fuck, I'm a pussy. I'm like, this is a joke for these guys. But the food, they would, this company would send their guy, their cook, to school, like culinary school in the States. And so the food was unbelievable. Like if I would eat like that right now, during the whole trip, I think I lost probably 15 pounds and I ate like a horse. If I ate like that, like right now for a week, I'd put on 30. Like you have to eat, uh, booze, no booze. They go through. Yeah. Like none, wow. like no boo, no I, weed. They go through your bags. I thought they would have packed like, like some wine or something like after you're done to relax. I thought it would have been wow. Like alcohol is, is like forbidden. Like you can't bring it inside the park there. So no booze. And then as far as jerking off, I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't really have it. I mean, I guess if I really, really had to, I could have went behind a rock or something, but my tent, I had that, I had David, David Hoare, the Aussie special forces guy. I'm like, I'm just keeping my hands where they should be here. So yeah, it was, it was a long eight days. It was nice to get back into town. I will say that. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Hawaii or Cabo where there's some golf, a little warm weather. That's where I'm spending my money. I, I want to stay in the West. And I always say, if I'm, if I'm going on vacation, they better have a Western Four Seasons. And I, I come from a poor, poor upbringing. But I don't think I'm climbing Kilimanjaro. No no booze. No, I know. no sex. I, I guess you could have bring, I could bring my girlfriend and then I could have sex. You could. I will say, and I was exactly like you. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing this for? Like, I'm not a hiker. I will say when I was done... I'm like, you know what? That actually was, yes, it was painful. There was a, a long days there where I'm like, holy fuck, what am I doing? But I will say once I was done, I was like, you know what? That is actually pretty cool. If you get invited to go, my only recommendation would be, well, one would be spend the money on a good, on Tusker Trails. Or Tus it was called Tusker something. Yeah. They were awesome. And I would say you have to go with people that you like. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's no cell phones. There's no internet. There's you're you're sitting there and your experience is basically who you're with. So if you go with people that you like and you get an invitation to go, even though you don't like it, I would say consider it for sure. That that's one thing I've learned about this whole quarantine thing. I can get mm -hmm. rid of a lot of friends. There's a lot of people that I don't miss in this whole thing. I don't I don't mind being <laughs> home. I'm I, I've, I've I've scaled away a few people and it actually feels pretty good. They call. They're like, hey, do you want to like sit on the patio 10 feet apart, have a beer. I'm like, no, I haven't drank in, since Nashville, since that fucking bouncer jumped me. We'll get to that oh, later, that fucker. Yeah, yes, I, I want to hear that I, too. I, I want I, I actually, both, I, I've had twice in my life where I've had assault charges. One from my ex-wife where I kicked a garage door. The other where I got fucking jumped by four bouncers. Tell me I'm doing something wrong. I, I, I should have been arrested <laughs> yesterday for taking a shit behind a church not the East Stockings. And what kind of bouncer, honestly? I've been out with you before. We've gotten in one. Yeah. And, and yeah. I got jumped by four bouncers because I put my hand on my girlfriend's throat for 
literally like three seconds joking around. We were just telling a story, and I got fucking jumped, and I'm the one that gets sued, or not even sued, arrested and spent a night in Nashville jail from a bouncer that I laid a hand on because he was fucking attacking me. If you're a bouncer, don't you expect at least a little bit of contact? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. So your your girlfriend was there. You, I messaged you after, and you told me, yeah, don't. I just asked if you're all right. Yeah, and you're saying it's a joke. So you, yeah, so you're out having a good time or whatever. You have a few drinks, telling a story, and you just put your hand on your girl, and they just jump you. Just, just a girl said something to me, and I told her to sit down. I said we were just joking around, and we're okay. laughing like we're laughing through the whole thing. And then out of nowhere, four bouncers fucking attack me. So out of just out of self-protection, self-preservation, I put my hand up and barely yeah. touched the guy. And then it was then it was yeah. all then then it was like it's like buying your way out of fucking hell there. Pay some yeah. money, everything's dropped, it's done, but uh, just crazy, just just insane. Like yeah. just, just stupid. Now, what- was that at, did you guys go off to a bar on your own or was that part of like the program there with the? No, it was just, we, we went off. She, she had met me because I was there for a few days for guitar picks yeah, yeah, yeah. and hockey sticks. And she met me yeah. just for a little, yeah. just because we love Nashville, just because we love Nashville. So, but it reminded me of the time, like it really reminded me of the night I was out with you and you got jumped. Nothing happened. It was just stupid. But those two guys yeah. that jumped you for no reason, Tell that story really quickly as you walked in, how that could have been blown yeah. out of proportion. Yeah, so, yes, we were, Barney and I were in Edmonton for the Alzheimer's event. To shorten the story up, Friday we have some beers, like have some beers at lunch, kind of goes throughout the afternoon. Friday night's the draft, and you get drafted, and, you know, both of us were on stage. We're having a good time, having a few drinks. Then we go to a bar after, and I remember sitting there. We went into the cooler. We had a few shots having a good time and then it was getting i hadn't eaten a fucking thing all day and i think it was like 11 o'clock or so and i remember looking at you and i'm like okay barney's getting after it here everybody was getting after it i'm like fuck i gotta get up and play i haven't eaten anything i'm like i'm gonna make the mature decision and i'm gonna ninja dust and get hit the road so i ninja dust out of there and i'm starving go right across the street there's a shawarma place it's the closest place i can see so as i'm walking in i don't say a fucking word i'm by myself as I'm walking in, there's three guys standing outside and one guy, a big guy, like at least my size stands in front of the door. And he's like, let's wrestle. I think the guy's joking. These guys are probably like 25 years old. Yeah. So I think the guy's joking. I just go, man, I'm not wrestling. And I walk around him. I walk inside. I grab a quick bite to eat. I walk out. I'm just going to grab a cab and go back to the hotel. And this fucking guy stands up in front of me again. He's like, we're wrestling. And so now I know that he's kind of serious. So I look at him, I go, dude, I'm not fucking wrestling. And as soon as those words come out of my mouth, his buddy was on, we had a buddy on each side of me. You know, I had a couple of drinks. I probably should have noticed that. But as soon as it gets out of my mouth, I'm looking straight ahead. The guy to my left just suckers me right on the chin. So I'm like, I open up my eyes. I'm down on one knee and I'm bleeding all over my shirt and my shoes. I'm like, what the fuck? So I stand up. The big guy's standing right in front of me. I'm like, you motherfucker. So I was doing a little Muay Thai boxing at the time, which was nice because I had a chance to try some things. So I kicked this guy. I teeped him right in the chest. And he, I don't think he was expecting it. And he kind of goes flying backwards. And I'm like, I'm going to grab this fucking guy who suckered me and beat the shit out of him. So I go to grab him. He goes to throw a punch. And I'm like, I don't care what this guy's throwing. I'm not going to feel it anyways. 
I just kind of ducked my head a little bit. It hits me in the top of the head. I grab by the collar of his shirt, and I beat the shit out of him. I actually, I didn't feel bad, but I did, like, I destroyed his fucking face. <laughs> and anyways, as I'm, I'm now on top, I'm loading up to hit him again, and I get tackled, so I, I figure it's one of the other guys, so I kind of roll with it, and as I'm rolling on the vest, I see police. I'm like, oh, fuck. So I obviously don't do any more. Cops are like, calm down. I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, look at me. I'm like, I'm fucking bleeding. I'm kind of trying to get after the big guy. I'm like, you want to wrestle now, motherfucker? And he's like, kind of looking at me. And anyways, I end up meeting my girlfriend. And yeah. I hear from behind me, some chick is like, calm down. And I'm like, what the fuck? All I wanted to do was get a bite to eat. So I turn around to unload on this girl being like, shut the fuck. This is the last thing I need. And I turn around. She's pretty good looking in my eyes. So I'm like, oh, okay, I will. And then. Anyways, the cops, we end up getting in the back of the car. The cops gave me a ride to the hospital, and I was there all fucking night waiting for five fucking stitches. So Be stupid. Best best post ever on Instagram and on Twitter was your cut open lip and everything from being jumped. That's when I woke up to a text. I'm like, what the fuck happened? I drank. I was pissed because I had to drink the 20 or 30 drinks that I had ordered at the bar. I'm like, this guy just fucking ghosted me. I'm used to it from girls in back in the day, but I just got ghosted by Kami. Fucking brutal. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm never doing it again because I ghosted you and I paid the fucking price for it. It was funny. You came to the rink the next day. We're on time. We're on time for your game. And it's funny, you had to yep. play in that All-Star game. I'm like, hey, guy, the guy hasn't slept. The guy's cut open. Please get him out of the All-Star game. They're okay. So we had a few more uh cocktails that way I, I saw on twitter last month you were going back through and reliving uh the stanley cup run uh with carolina oh yeah how, how cool was that to go back through it and the memories just being you know being a part of that obviously i was never a stanley cup champion everyone always asked do you regret it i'm like no i don't regret it i i missed the chance that i didn't get to win and what the excitement was but going back now that your years later memories that you have from that is there anything when you watch that game uh in live that you're like fuck i didn't remember that um how it went yeah. down just all those feelings that you had uh reliving it so with the carolina run we i did some things with carolina just more online the tv stuff that i was tweeting about was uh they put i think on sportsnet they put our from the flames run okay so it was it was calgary versus vancouver game seven it was the first round in 2004 and so the flames had messaged me and they're like hey do you mind tweeting about this game i'm like and i haven't watched anything nothing. Yeah. so i'm like yeah this will be kind of cool i don't remember fuck all from the game other than marty zelena scoring in overtime and i remember a fucking jersey getting thrown on the ice under the la in the last minute yeah so anyways i i come home and then to figure out that i turn on the tv at my airbnb we got no fucking sports channels so I missed the first two periods. I finally get this thing hooked up with Ellis so I can watch. But watching the game, I mean, first off, it was it was great to watch because, you know, just some of the names, like on both teams, I'm like, man, I, I totally forgot that guy was playing. And then for me personally, I was like, because we had a bunch of injuries and Rhett was hurt during that game. And I'm like, fuck, I actually played quite a bit this game. I was on the power play in the third period. I'm like, we must have been fucking desperate. I don't remember anything about that. But, no, it was cool. It was – I forgot what happened at the end of this game, and I don't, some people might have saw it, but basically we were up by a goal with, I don't know, 
35, 45 seconds left, under a minute for sure. Face off outside the blue line. Craig, I wasn't on, I was on the bench. And so Craig Conroy, Jerome McGinley are on the ice, and I can't remember the D-man. I can't remember who all was out there, but those two were. So Connie wins the draw forward. Jerome jumps, and Jerome's going down the board, down the left side. He's got an empty net. As he's about to shoot it, he's getting pressured a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's not a tap-in at all. As he's about to shoot it, a Canucks fan fires a fucking jersey on the ice, which lands basically in between him and the net, distracts him. He misses the fucking empty net. Then he goes, Jerome, obviously, a first, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but not the greatest backward skater in the world. So he goes, pivots to go, like, turn around to go backwards because now they pick the puck up and they're coming down. We got, like, 20 seconds left in the game. And one of their guys, one of the Canucks, slashes his stick, which, I mean, would be a penalty. (laughs) Somehow the stick ends up behind him. He trips over his own stick, goes flying ass over Teakettle. They go flying right by him, obviously, come down, score with four seconds left. Matt Cook scores. And we end up going overtime. And but watching the game was fun because I'm like, fuck, I, I don't remember any of this. And you know, it's it's cool to go back and um yeah, it was definitely fun. I wish they would put some more games on. I mean, I've been watching a bunch of like the eighty nine Flames and they got the eighty three like Oilers stuff and Kings and a lot of Gretzky, yeah. obviously. Um but yeah, no, it's it's great. I would love to I know they were playing the Carolina games in Carolina. But I'm guessing I'm probably not going to see too many of those since we beat the Oilers. So they're probably not going to be playing too much of that <laughs> yeah. uh, in Western Canada. But, um, yeah, it's fun to go back and watch. Hey, it's funny. I saw on, I can't remember, I think it was Sportsnet the other day that tweeted out and they had the recap of 99 when Toronto beat us when I was in Pittsburgh in game six in overtime. Gary Volk scored. He scored two goals, but he scored in overtime. I'm like, fuck, okay, I... Yeah, I remember the game. Obviously, we got knocked out. Buffalo ended up going on and beating Toronto and then losing to Dallas in the final, which I was very fucking happy about because obviously I had asked to get traded. Did not want to see them win the Stanley Cup. I hear you. You know, it just, just yeah. is what it is. I know we take a lot of heat as an athlete, but it is what it is. You don't want to see someone, with, especially when you were the one that asked to get traded. But I went and looked at the score sheet after. I'm like, fuck, I don't remember a lot about the game. I remember that. Our rookies played a lot, and I remember Kevin Constantine. I fucking hated him as a coach and didn't last too long I after he lost. Uh, what a douchebag. What a douchebag. Worst coach I've ever had. Smartest coach I've ever had and worst coach just because awful people person. But I went back and looked at that score sheet. I played two minutes and 12 seconds. No kidding I didn't remember much about the fucking game. I was frozen <laughs> sitting on the fucking bench. But Kevin Constantine, I'm glad. So glad. You're not in the National Hockey League anymore. Just a horrible coach. What were you said you didn't like him? What were your interactions with him? Yeah, I had him. Mine were very brief, but my second year pro, my first year I was drafted by New Jersey, signed in New Jersey. Yeah. At the end of the, well, my first year, I I think I, I got hit in the eye with a puck, so I missed some time, but I think I played like 30 games in the minors or 40 maybe, and I played 20 or 25 in New Jersey. Larry Robinson was the head coach. Larry really liked me. The next year, my second year, I was up in New Jersey basically the whole year, getting scratched a little bit, but I was playing. And we were kind of, you know, we weren't playing up to New Jersey standards, wins and losses. So I was actually playing quite a bit. I was probably playing, I don't know, somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes a night leading up. Well, then Larry gets fired. So we hire this Kevin Constantine. I'm like, I don't know Kevin Constantine. I'm like, okay. This fucking guy comes in. 
And I mean, look, I don't expect him to like go out of his way or anything, but I was there for probably a month before they ended up getting me out of there, which is a whole nother story. They got me out of there because I was uh, drinking, but <laughs> I'll tell the story because that makes me look bad. <laughs> please, but please do. I want you. I want you to clear that up. <laughs> okay, I'll clear it up right now. New Jersey had this huge thing. It depended on who you were, but for me, you know, they want to make you uncomfortable. So for me, it was always body weight. It was always they wanted me lighter. So they want you. I want you lighter, lighter, lighter. They didn't teach me a fucking thing about nutrition, but they wanted me lighter. So I'm like, okay. So, you know, I usually played about 230. If I was 235, it was too heavy. Anything under that, I was good. Yeah. So I go into Christmas, I was like 232 or whatever. Lou has a meeting with me. He's like, hey, you're doing well, playing well. He's like, I want you lighter. I'm like, really? He's like, I want you. And I'm getting fucking bag skated here. Like Larry and Slav Patisov. It was awesome for me. But so anyways, Constantine comes in. Now I'm not playing, but I, ha I have to weigh in every morning. And all they care about is that I'm under 230. So they don't teach me anything about nutrition. And now I'm not playing at all. And, but I have to weigh in. It didn't matter if I was a dog in practice. It just, all that mattered was that weight. So I'm like the only, you know, this is really stupid looking back, but the only way for me to get under 230 was to go get fucking shit faced, not eat anything. Yeah. Don't drink any water, be dehydrated, dehydrated yeah. go up, weigh in. Yeah. So I did that for like a month. Just, I mean, I would get shit faced almost every night. I wasn't playing, and then finally I ended up getting. We had a. We were out in Atlanta, and I went out. We always had a curfew, and you know I I met a couple of girls. I was having a good time. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm not playing tomorrow. Yeah. I know that. Sure, I haven't played in a month, so I end up missing curfew. Not like disgustingly bad, yeah. but I end up getting in. I think curfew was at midnight. I got in at like twelve thirty or something, one o'clock, something like that. So I come in. And the bellboy sees me. I just kind of wink at him, go up, go upstairs, don't think anything of it. Well, it turns out I end up with a – we lose to Atlanta the next day. I have a meeting with Lou. Well, Lou checked into the hotel at 4 in the morning. And he goes, hey, anybody uh, been coming in the hotel here later, uh, early in the morning? Yeah, some guy with long red hair came in here. I'm like, totally <laughs> fucked. So I was fucked. Uh, but anyways, Kevin Constantine came in uh, to this day – he never said one word to me. He never said hi to me. He never, like, he, I was scratched immediately. He never told me why. He ne I never said a word to Kevin Constantine, and I was at the rink with him every day for about six weeks, not one fucking word. And I'm like, fuck this guy. This guy's a fucking asshole. Uh, first of all, I'm glad we never played together because I just told a story on this Tales of the Penalty Box, just kind of a Q&A that we do. Um, that we've done before at, at various charity events. I told almost the exact same story. I wasn't playing under Kevin Constantine. I go out the night before in San Jose. I get fucked up because I'm playing like two or three minutes a night. He sees me come in with the GM, puts me on the top line, plays me like 20 minutes, and I'm fucking dying. I'm puking in between the periods. I'm eating Tums because my stomach is so sick. He just wanted to embarrass me. It's one of those nights yeah. where I was throwing pucks in off Yager and it was bouncing in off his ass. I was horrendous, but ended up having a goal and assist, and, and we won the game, and just a douchebag, just a bad, bad, yeah. bad human being. But a smart hockey guy, that's the bad thing about it is he's actually a really smart hockey guy. 
he's just a bad dude that has to do it his way. Yeah, I, I think kind of to sum it up would be, I'm pretty sure, because after that, I'm like, who the fuck is this Kevin Constantine? So I kind of looked into him a little bit. And basically, from my understanding, he basically learned the game watching video. Yeah. So he's basically a video guy with zero people skills who just his whole life was watching hockey on fucking tape and breaking it down. And so, yeah, hockey wise and doing different things. Sure. But like, like you said, zero fucking all he had to do and he didn't have to, but like decent fucking person would have been like, come in like, Hey, you're the new coach. You want to go with veteran guys? Like, yeah, I fucking get it. hundred percent. No problem. You want to play Tommy Abilene or uh, no problem. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I won't like it but I'm not going to take it personally. All he had to do was be like, Hey Mike, look, coming in here, um, you're going to be scratched. I'm going to play the veteran guys, you know, keep working hard or whatever. And we'll see what happens. No problem. I would have been like, cool. Sounds good. But nothing, not a fucking word scratch. Wouldn't even fucking look at me. And then finally I had enough of them and I'm like, fuck this guy. And anyways, that was my ticket out of New Jersey. <laughs> that was a ticket out of New Jersey. Well, I was out of Pittsburgh very shortly after, um, we, we got rid of him. We brought in Ivan Olinka, which was a great guy. He just didn't speak English, but he loved to use my golf club. So I got to play a little bit more under, under Ivan. So one of my best lines from Yarmir Yager ever in my career. It was the year that Ronnie Francis and uh, Jeff O'Neill, Jeff O'Neill, who I love, um, great guy, great broadcaster, says it how it is. But they were like 1-2 in scoring, and Yags was like third. And they were like plus 25. Yags was like minus three. He was he was. He was not in your running for the Masters in the NHL, but yeah. he, was, he was definitely never a guru defensively and didn't care about it. But I remember he pulled a bunch of the guys in to watch video, and he was showing good Ron Francis, good Jeff O'Neill, and then he'd show Yager, like, taking his time, getting back to the bench, and Yags is nonchalant, yeah. wants to score and wants to play. Like, he's a great dude, great teammate, one of the best players to ever play the game. But at the end, he turns off the video, the VHS at the time, and he looks at Yags, and he, now he's surrounded by, like, myself and Kit Miller and his buddies, Rob, like, his buddies on the team. And he goes, do you have anything to say? Trying to think, like, he was going to embarrass Yags into, I'm going to buy in defensively. I'm going to be harder defensively. I, I'm just going to be, like, this ultimate teammate. Yags just looks at him and he goes, no, I, I really think you should trade me for, for Jeff O'Neill. That that'll go over great in, in Pittsburgh if you just trade me for Jeff O'Neill. And fucking Constantine just fucking loses his mind, kicks everyone out, and Yeggs obviously does what he wants and did what he wants. Tra transitioning yeah. in from bad coaches uh, to good coaches. Uh, who are some of the ones you love the most? Man, I, I mean, I liked, other than a couple of them, I liked all of them. But uh, you know what? The, the one coach who made the biggest, and I still keep in touch with him to this day, and, you know, it ended up he had kind of a bad look in Florida there. I don't think it was his call, but he is a really good dude. Uh, Tom Rowe, uh, he was a he was big big for me because I was, you know, after this kind of shit that happened in New Jersey and then ran into Babcock full season in the minors, traded to Calgary. I was basically like an up-and-down guy, well, for my first four years of my career. Then we went to the finals in Calgary. I signed a one-way contract, and uh, lockout hits. So back to the minors and that 0304 year, the first half of the year I was in Lowell, Massachusetts and Tom Rowe was the assistant coach. And that was the first time that, that I would say somebody was like, Tom played the shit out of me. He's like, you know what? You're playing. 
and the lockout year when I, I came, I came, I think, no, I was there right at the beginning. No training camp though. I showed up and he's like, I'm going to play the living shit out of you. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So, you know, obviously all five on five, first unit PK and then power play would be like the second unit. And it was awesome for me. I mean, obviously I got a lot better, build a lot of confidence and then, you know, Carolina traded for me. Yeah. We split the farm team that year. So I'm sure Tom put a good word in for me, ended up getting me traded to Carolina and we ended up winning that year. So Tom was awesome. Um, I really like Peter Laviolette. I know some guys, I mean, everybody has their own experiences yeah. with every coach. I get it. Um, I really like Peter. I really liked Hitch. Wow. I think, yeah, I really liked Hitch. I think if, if Ken, Ken Hitchcock, is, I mean, he learned it on video too. You had him in Columbus, but right? I had him in Columbus, yeah. yeah. When I signed in Columbus, he was there. Ken Hitchcock is, you know what, he's a nice guy. He's a little bit different. Yeah. He doesn't, he will, he, he will talk your ear off if you're talking about hockey, if you're talking about the Civil War, if you're talking about golf, or if you're talking about horse racing. Those are the four things that he fucking knows. Or, cho- he knows chocolate, everything. Bars. or chocolate bars. But, or chocolate or bars. Or chocolate bars. And, and, and bagels I hear too every <laughs> once in a while. But uh, he was great. And the only thing was, if, if Ken Hitchcock could run practice, if he could prepare the team for the game and give like the game plan, yeah. when the game started, if you said, Hitch, you're staying in the fucking room, don't come on the bench. And you went out, you played the first period, you come back in the intermission, Hitch, come in tell you what we need to do or whatever. Second period starts, Hitch, you're staying in the fucking room. Go back out there without him, come back. If he just wasn't allowed on the bench, I think he'd still be coaching because he would get out on the bench and couldn't fucking help himself. It didn't matter if this, if we were winning fucking five, nothing or fucking lose. It didn't matter. Like if, if you're a, get a puck and he kind of towards younger guys a little bit, but he'd get on older guys too, where, you know, you, let's say you get a puck, you're inside the blue line, you know, you go to chip it off the boards to get it out. The, the D man makes a play, knocks it down and gets it back in the zone. Let's say there isn't even a scoring check, not even a shot. You know, you come back to the bench and he would fucking let that fuck whine at you for the entire fucking game. And he did that every game with different guys. So sooner or later, guys are like, okay, fuck, uncle, I can't take this anymore. So if you would just, like, he's never going to be able to control that. So if, if he, God, I wish he would just stay in the fucking room. And I think he, he'd fucking probably still be coaching in Dallas. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because I was going to ask you to do an impersonation before you did the impersonation because I've, I've heard from guys that I've been out for and they get that whiny, squeaky oh, voice. Yeah. Mike Medano does it does it awesome when he's when you're out and he's asking you to do it. It's just how whiny he gets and how he gets. I remember I don't know if you were there the one day in Columbus. I think I was playing for Pittsburgh, and I went by and I just gave him the hey because he's got that fat around oh. his neck. And I gave him the oh, turkey yeah, sign yeah. and he fucking lost his mind. I'd never heard a high pitch come from anyone's voice like I heard from him yelling at me on the ice. He's just simply beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, uh, I mean, he would, Medano can do it way better than me. And it was, it was like every fucking game. And I do remember one game where he was, 
We were, it was later, it was the year that we were, we made the playoffs the first time Columbus ever did. We were having a really good year. We had a young team, but we had a pretty good team and we were doing well. And we were, I think we were playing, I forget who we were playing. I think we were playing the Flames actually in Columbus. There's like 10 minutes left in the game. We're up five, nothing like, you know, the game's gotten physical. We've done well in the fights. We're, we are, we are playing a great game. It's been a great game for the Columbus Blue Jackets and Hitch is just bitching. Bitching, bitching, bitching at like Jake Borachek about some fucking turnover that happened in the first fucking period. He's I a, fu- he's a fucking I, beauty too. Oh, he, Jake Borachek is fucking unbelievable. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm, li- I'm, I usually didn't listen, but I'm listening to this. And finally I fucking turn. I'm like, I got to stand up for Jake here a little bit. Fuck me. So I turn around and hit his, hitch is like mid bitch. And I turn around and I go, Hey, bitch. And he looks at me. I go, would you shut the fuck up? It's five fucking nothing. We're dominating this fucking game in every facet. Yeah. We played well. Shut the fuck up and leave Jake alone. And you know what? I, this is one thing about Hitch, too. I like him. I should have mentioned it earlier. You know, he would give it to you. But, like, when I did there, if you came back at him and you, you could call him, you know what, fuck you, you fat fuck, whatever. Yeah. You know what? I give him full credit. He would sit there and he would take it. And he wouldn't hold it against you That's ever, good. ever. He would, it was never personal with him. And he, you could say, I mean, that was very, I mean, some guys would come completely fucking unglued on him and he would sit there, he would take it and you wouldn't hear about it again. It wouldn't be like, Oh, you called me this and he yeah. pulled it over your head. It would happen and it would be in one ear, out the other done. And I, he was great, great at that. that, that that's awesome. Yeah. Most guys can like, Again, I, I, I think you get in the heat of the moment, whether it's teammates. I mean, I've fought with teammates. I'm sure you have argued on the bench, and it's done. Once, it, once it's at, I mean, it's so yeah. emotional that you're, you're going to have times, whether it's the coach or the player, line mates, your, your D partner, you, you, you're going to get arguments. And you yeah. just got to let them go and fucking move on. Yeah, I mean, I think, like... If you weren't getting in arguments, let's say even if let's say if I get in an argument with you, yeah. even even if you're right, let's say whatever we got going on, I, I'm in, I'm in the wrong. You know, at least I'm arguing. At least it shows that I give a fuck. Yeah, you know what I mean. Even if it's if I didn't care, I'd be like, ah, fuck, I don't give a fuck. I wouldn't say anything. So yeah, I think like having arguments and you can get at each other, get at each other. It just shows that you fucking care. And then you just let it go. It's not a big deal. That that that's a great transition into the next part nhl obviously all sports we, we never know what we're missing until it's gone and it's crazy i mean we're spending a lot of we're having a lot of great quality time with our girlfriends which is awesome nothing i'd rather do for these last eight weeks it's been a fucking awesome awesome time oh she's not in the room so i can yeah it's 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 That's it's taking, it's taking its toll this this 24 hours a day man Oof. yeah it's at least there's nothing to really do but yeah, it's, thank, thank God the house is at least big enough where I can get away a little bit. Um, but NHL going back, what do you? I, I talked to someone in the league today, and I asked that question. I also asked the GM, and they honestly said, we have no fucking clue. There's, there's contingency plans in place if we do. Me personally, as much as I want to see hockey, I, I, I'd rather just cancel it, move on, say it was a pandemic, and we move on rather than going into next year and then starting it in December and having a, a shortened season, not sure what's going to happen with the draft. The draft is the thing we're talking about the most right now because we saw how good it was for the NFL draft. 
I think there's 18 yeah. million people that watched it. Um, numbers would be crazy. People are starving for sports. What are your takes on having the draft with being virtual, which I don't think is a big deal. Um, I think it'll be great, great for ratings. People are, you know, just so thirsty for any kind of sports. And then NHL coming back without fans. You, you've been to the pinnacle where you get to the playoffs. It's so awesome to roll into the rink when the weather's changed. The fans are fucking out there with their towels. They're half court. They're in one as per Mike Commodore. But yeah. it's all about emotions. I can't imagine a scenario where they're all playing in Las Vegas, let's just say. There's no fans in the stands and we're watching. As good as hockey would be and as crazy as it would be, it just wouldn't have the same feel. And it's not something that I really have a thirst for seeing hockey with no one in the stands. I'm on your page. When this first happened, I'm like, well, I mean, let's just shut it down. Like, hey, it's a pandemic. What, what are you going to do? It happens every hundred years or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, there's nothing you can do. But then, I mean, when it, when it all comes down, I've read more and you're hearing these different scenarios. I do have an open mind for it if you can get something in there. But at the end of the day, I mean, it all comes down to dollars, right? So yeah. if, if you cancel the season and there's no more games, I mean, you know, some of the teams had seven or eight home games left. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's significant income. And that's going to, you know, with the 50-50 split, you know, somebody's going to be paying for that. And it's going to be the owners and it's going to be the players. The players escrow is going to be through the fucking roof. Um, so financially, I can see how they really want to get it done. Um yeah, it would be like I've done some stuff on the radio here this past year uh, in Calgary. Yeah. And I just got a call the other day and they basically said, hey, look, for May and June, you won't be coming on at all. Um, we're just going to have like, just the in-house our people that we have hired here. But they're like, prepare for July and August. There might be games. And that's weird. I think take the money out of it. I think that worst case scenario would be that you do something that ends up fucking up next year it's like you know what i mean like yeah. like kind of what you just you know we try and ram this stuff in and get this stuff and guys are going to get hurt and then next year gets pushed back and then it carries over to next year um i don't really love that as far as like it, I, I can't imagine going out for like a playoff game there's like i don't know there's nobody in the stands like do you play music the whole time like a lacrosse game like i don't fucking know like <laughs> I, it would be fucking weird. It, it, it would be weird. I mean, we've all done it when we were younger. Fuck, I, I yeah. played in Chicago when we had no fans, so I would have been a perfect guy for it, trying to drum up enough emotion. Playing in Chicago before they got Taves and Kane and um, new guys yeah. to take over. Try, I, I know that feeling. I, I, I just can't see... I, I can see it. I get the business model for it. I understand why uh, we want to have an NHL season. I just don't want to risk two to have one. Like you said, it's once every 100 years. Let's roll with the punches, have a draft, move on instead of start. I don't want to see the season start in November or December and then have a, maybe a shortened season and ruin two seasons. Fold up shop is my analogy. Again, I have no money. I don't have to worry about the escrow like the players do. We care about the players right. making their money. We don't have to worry about the financials of these NHL teams losing money. It's a business. I get it. If they can do it, they're going to do it. I just don't know if it's feasible, but we'll find out uh, in the near future. Yeah, it's like, you know, just from the pure hockey point of view, my my thing would be just cancel it. Look, hey, it fucking sucks. Look, that sucks if you're, you know, one of the, you know, seven or eight teams, whatever, pick a number. of. 
like if you're the Boston Bruins or the Washington Capitals where you're like, man, we have a legit chance to win. That fucking blows. It sucks if you're the Arizona Coyotes and you made a bunch of, you, you traded for Taylor Hall and you gave up a bunch of picks and everything gets cut short. That fucking blows. But I mean, what can you do? These are different, totally different fucking times. It sucks. Somebody's going to have to kind of get screwed a little bit on it, but we'll see what they do. Like I said, the money talks. You, you know who They're I gonna... feel the worst for is these poor rookies that don't get a draft in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. Drinking age yeah, is 18. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Drinking that, age that is 18. My, my, my draft year was in Montreal. I oh, it was in Montreal. I had an awesome time. Yeah. My girlfriend yeah. at the time, though, was was sleeping with my my best friend, who was drafted by the Buffalo Sabers, as well. Uh, she wasn't my girlfriend then. They were dating. Okay, okay. And then they broke okay. up. And now we're dating. And then they went back. And then they got married and had three. That's a story for another day. It just goes back and forth all wow. all, all over the map. But that's we'll get into that another day. Yeah. So that, that she, does she, sound like a very interesting draft. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she's been. <laughs> But Montreal be a, be a hell of a time. Uh, a couple of Twitter questions before I let you go. Um, sure. Some people wanted to know a little Nodak, uh, North Dakota, where you went to school when it was the Fighting Sioux. What's it now? The Fighting yeah. Hawks. The Fighting Fucking Hawks. Yeah. Yeah, it's brutal. I, I, so politically brutal. correct. So 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 beautiful. So beautiful. Uh, why did you decide to bring the cup back to Nodak? And any good stories on Dave Haxtall? I don't see Haxtall having any stories. He looks like a pretty boy and uh, super nice guy. I met him at the draft last year, but I I, 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 don't, yeah. I just don't see him letting loose. No, you know what? You'd be wrong. I don't really? have, like, I know Hack well. Yeah. I say that I've ever, definitely a pretty boy, but I, he doesn't act like one, though. Like, he's not scared to have a few beers with the okay. fellas. I don't have any, like, stories of him. He was a little bit before my... I don't have any, like, stories of getting in one with him. I mean, I hung out with him at the lake a few times, but nothing yeah. crazy. Uh, the reason why I brought the cup back from North Dakota was uh, when I was in school, or right after, uh, Ed Belfort had won in, in Dallas, and Ed, had, Ed played at North Dakota for one year, won everything, and then went uh, to Chicago. But he brought the cup back, and I was in Grand Forks when he did that. And, uh, you know, watch his little speech. And, and I thought it was really cool. I was like, fuck. I'm like, you know what? If I'm ever fortunate enough, if it ever happens, I would like to bring it back here. So that was why I brought it back to North Dakota. Uh, it was a good day. It was a quick day because we, North Dakota has a huge aviation program. So they have a bunch of planes. So they sent the plane out to get me in Edmonton and then flew me in. We had a day there, basically an afternoon. And then we had to get it out because Andrew Ladd needed it the next morning, like okay. early. So. I would have liked to have spent like a full day and evening there, but it, it was a good, it was a great time. It was nice of them to have me back. What an awesome fucking spot. How long did it take you to commit there when you went there to that fucking place? Man, I was all set on, I wanted to play in Kelowna for the Kelowna Rockets, like in the WHL. I was all set to go there after I graduated high school. And I flew down to North Dakota, not knowing a fucking thing about fighting Sioux hockey, not knowing a thing about college hockey. I, I really knew nothing. And I was in there. I, I flew in. It was the old rink, but the old rink had a ton of character. I flew in and I watched one weekend series. It was, the rink was fucking slammed. 6,500 people, half of them students, chicks fucking hammered everywhere. The student sections hammered all over the other team. I'm like, this I'm place is awesome. Yeah, I literally committed like three days later. I'm like, I'm coming here. This place looks like fun. 
That's awesome. Yeah, unbelievable spot. Can you imagine going from North Dakota to the Ottawa Senators? I mean, you're, you're downgrading walking oh. into that rink and that, that, that dressing oh. room. Big time. And, like, some of those guys, like, well, you're basically guys that, like, you leave there, let's say you sign a pro contract or whatever, and let's say you end up in Springfield. Oh. Or, like, in the American League, it's like, dude, that's going to take some getting used to. Oh, like, yeah. you took as far as, like, you know, rank and how you get treated. I mean, you're taking a big step backwards. That's hard for a lot of those fucking guys. Hey, at least Cornwall's not in the league anymore. So that's one good thing. You've been rolling in going, what the fuck is this smell? This fucking place. Really? Is. I've never, I've never been there. Go, you, know, you should go. You should take the boys on a golf trip. Yeah, yeah it sounds like it. Oh, yeah. Is there like a fucking slaughterhouse there? It stinks. It's awful. Yeah, I know. People, people like literally are born and they're like, I'm getting out of here. Like when I'm older, like when I'm seven, I'm out of this fucking yeah. town. It's, okay. It, yeah. It, it's, okay, it, fair it, enough. It's horrendous. I don't know why someone's asking this. Maybe you tweeted this out. Has he had a video conferencing mishap during quarantine? Did you get caught uh, masturbating it, on fucking video conferencing or anything? I no, I don't. I don't think I. I mean. I found that uh, during during this, I, I've actually haven't had a whole lot to drink to be honest. Like on the weekends, yeah, I'll have a like a couple hey, or whatever. Whoa, but whoa, it whoa, whoa! Rewind. You Facetime okay. me the other night. Okay, that was gonna get. After, I don't remember doing that after golf with with your beautiful oh. girlfriend. You had okay. you had I think underwear or shorts on. You had your socks on. You had chew dripping down your lip. And you were, oh, that was you were night. certainly yeah. in one. And you just shot 72, unless part of 71 there that day. You, you were definitely in one. Yeah, part of 72. Yeah, I have found that it, I'm at home and it's like all of a sudden, you know, you start videoing, you get on these calls and it's like, next thing you know, you're, you're making your own fucking drink. So it's not one ounce, it's like four. And I, you know, sit there laughing hot. Next thing, just fucking shit face. Uh, so if there has been any video stuff, I was too shit-faced to remember. Hey, I hey, don't think it went wrong, but yeah, I could be wrong. I think you're okay. It's probably someone that you know that's just fucking around. But it's funny. I, I said I haven't had a drink since Nashville almost eight weeks. I've lost, I've lost like 15 pounds. But anyone that says, like, I, I'm going to drink. I'm going to have a drink again. I, I'm going to have a beer. I'm going to have some wine. I'm going to get in one when I go to Vegas. Anyone. Yep. I, but I've had an awesome eight weeks lifting, and I feel great. Awesome. Love it. Anyone that says that you have as much fun not drinking as you do while you're drinking, you're lying. You're, you, yeah. I call bullshit. I, here, I always say this too. Never trust someone that doesn't drink, but always trust someone that had to stop drinking. Big, right. big, right. big, big difference. Like guys that just big don't difference. drink, don't trust them. Anyone that has to stop drinking, fuck, give them your life. You can trust them with your life. I've been yep. eight weeks. It is not as much fun being completely sober, and my friends aren't nearly as funny as yeah. sober as I am. I can tell you that they're they're actually really boring. It's funny. I, I you get I've been on like this house party app or whatever, and you know everybody's obviously in different locations, and so I'll get on like these house party with a couple of buddies and stuff, and everybody's all over, and I'm on Pacific time, so a lot of these guys are on Eastern time, so like you know, eight o'clock on a Saturday night here, you know, maybe I've had a drink or two and you get on these house party apps. Well, 
on the East Coast, these guys are fucking shit-faced. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like, man, if this was at a bar right now, I would probably just walk to the other side of the bar and smash some drinks and try and catch up. But instead, you're on a video. These guys are right in your grill. They're shit-faced. They keep repeating themselves. I'm like, holy fuck. This is kind of... It's interesting being on different levels, but having to talk at the same time. But yeah, I miss, what are you going to do? Let's say the quarantine, do you have any plans? Like, or has everything been canceled? Let's say the quarantine ends in some fashion, June 1st, let's yeah. say. Uh, June 1st? Do you got any plans? Uh, yeah, well, okay, May 12th, my golf course opens up in Ottawa. So in Ontario, May okay. 12th is the day um, that it all opens up. So I'll, I'll be playing golf. As of May 12th with all, all the restrictions, yes. If it ends, say, June 1st, June 2nd, I'm in Vegas for a week. Without a doubt. Okay. I'm going to play golf. Okay. I'm going to have some drinks. I'm going to gamble. I'm going to relax. I'm getting away, and I want Vegas. I want the food, and I just want to let go for a week. So that's literally my only plan. Every other event that I had in June, July, August, all have been canceled. So I'm yeah. good. I, I quit SiriusXM, so I can go anywhere now. I'm coming out to visit you to play golf and let you take some money. That's okay. Please do. Yeah, I'm coming out Please there do. for sure to, uh, to to jump on that train, lose some money. Before I let you go, I'm going to give you a little rapid fire here. Um, just quick answers and maybe a little blurb about okay. it. Uh, funniest teammate you ever play with? Uh, first one that came to mind, Ray Whitney. Ray Whitney, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's the first name that pops to mind. There's probably some other ones that are in there, too. Chad LaRose was pretty funny. Chad and I in Carolina had a little thing, like, he'd make fun of me. And, like, yeah. you know, i do kind of warm-ups on my own. And he'd come in with a headband and have, like, heavy metal crank, because that's what I like. And just kind of little funny shit like that. But those are the two that would, would pop to mind immediately. I, I remember watching Ray Whitney in junior. Fuck, was he good, man. I remember watching him with Pat Falloon at the Memorial Cup. Uh, unbelievable. Sick. Sick player, NHL. He was he was unbelievable. Yeah, he was awesome. I mean, that fucking guy played twenty three years in the yeah. NHL. I think he's got credit for. Yeah, like crazy. he was around forever. He was a very underappreciated player. I think. I think that would be fair to say when it's all said and done. It's like wherever that guy went, he was a good player for sure. Cheap, and cheap. he just kept getting moved. Cheapest cheapest guy you've ever played with. For me, it's Vinny Prospel. That fucking guy would would. Put his car in a neutral when he'd go down a hill to save on gas. Uh, cheapest guy for you. Oh, God. You know what? It seems like the cheapest guys were usually the guys that made the most money. Uh, I would say rapid fire, and I love the guy. He's a great dude. Uh, I would say probably Nick Lidstrom. Really? Oh. I didn't play with him. I, yeah. I didn't play for him. Quick little story. And this is the only reason why I really say it. And I like Nick. I want to yeah. stress that. He's a great dude. But we had father uh, father's trip in Detroit. My dad doesn't come. I, I call him. I'm like, hey, do you want to come on this father's trip? I'm getting scratched every game by Mike Babcock. My dad says, he goes, don't bring me on this fucking trip. I will end up getting in a fight with Mike Babcock. <laughs> I'm like, sounds good. Thanks for being honest. You're not coming. So I asked Ken Holland. I'm like, hey, can I bring my brother? And Ken was, I think, doing anything just to try and keep me remotely happy. He goes, yeah. yeah, bring your brother. So I have a younger brother. He comes on the trip. I'm obviously, I think we were in Chicago and then Toronto. I'm not playing. So my brother and I go get shit-faced in Chicago. We go to Toronto, go out. We have a little team out outing. We go out, the fathers and the player, or, and my brother, get shit-faced at some bar in Toronto. Ends up, we take a cab back to the hotel. It's in the back seat. It's me, my brother's in the middle, and Nick. 
So I'm kind of like, I know Nick might be a little tight, but I'm not sure. And we're pretty drunk, but so we we go take a cab to the hotel. It's like a $6 cab ride, under 10 bucks. And so I'm sitting there, we pull in, and I'm like, I'm going to see if Nick pays. So I sit there, and I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye, and he's looking, and he's got, all he has is 20s. And he doesn't want to give the guy, he doesn't have a 10 to give him, (laughs) but he he doesn't want to give him a 20. And he's like sitting there, he's like all torn up about it. He doesn't want to give the guy a 20. he doesn't want to ask for the change. I'm like, yeah, he he doesn't want to ask for change. He doesn't want to tip the guy $14. And so he's just sitting there, and I'm like, fuck, Nick, just give him a 20, and I just paid. (laughs) But he's shit. a great dude. Yeah, he is. Not a bad player. He's okay. He's, 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 yeah, yeah, he was all right. Yeah, him and Bobby were not not bad. Uh, best goaltender you ever <laughs> played for? Oh, I mean, the best display of goaltending I ever saw. Uh, wow. I was fortunate enough to be on two teams that went to the cup finals, and usually you're not going to the cup finals if your goalies aren't on fire. Kipper. I mean, Mika Kip, Kiprasov, I mean, there were games, especially, you know, we've had lots of time to kill. So, you know, when that Vancouver Flames on a run was on TV, you know, I went on Google and I was going through like the scores and stuff, you know, because I don't really remember. And it's like, you know, we beat Detroit and he had back to back. We won two games, one nothing. And like getting grossly outshot. It's not like we were dominating yeah. the play. So I would say that was... I can't really pick between Mika. I guess yeah. if I had to pick with, with a close second, Cam Ward. It, Cam is, Ward was unreal. It, is is it true he was as banged up throughout that whole playoff run that was rumored to be around the NHL? I heard he was banged up that whole run. He was a different dude. So like when he first came there, and I was there, uh, he spoke English. So he wouldn't, he didn't speak to reporters, didn't really do anything. And then I'm like, oh, this guy doesn't speak English. And then we were on the ice in practice and I was standing in front of the net and he said something to me and I turned around. I'm like, holy fuck, Mika, you speak English? And he just kind of laughed. He was a different dude. Like what he did outside of the rink, I don't think anybody's 100% sure. But I do know shots of vodka and smokes were definitely heavily involved. But as far as, like, what and where, I don't know. Like, I had heard that once after that run, and he was in Calgary for a long time after, he bought an acreage outside of town, and basically he would he loved to ride his lawnmower and cut the grass. So when there wasn't snow on the ground, he would just, from the stories I heard, he would get a bottle of vodka, a pack of smokes, and he would just get shit-faced while just driving his little John Deere mower around, and that's how he loved to spend his time. Uh, I, I had heard all those own. stories. Hey, I play with Dominic Hasek. Trust me, to me, the best goaltender of all time. I didn't like him, and he's yeah. the best, in, in my opinion. I've seen him play some... He's went through some stretches where he was banged up for months on end. Still incredible. Hey, do what you got to do. Come to play. I, I have no problem. Last one, before I let you go, you've been very gracious with your time. I appreciate it. Being out in Western Canada, playing some golf, having some fun in quarantine. How many times is the old lady asking to get a little uh, comma see comma a little per day? Now that you're looking over at her, is she is she, uh, she begging for it every no, day? No, she's, she's getting... not. She's actually not here right now. No, I, I, you know what? It's been uh, probably more than I could handle. Would be the best way to put it. Okay. I, I I I do struggle to keep up with her. Yeah. 
Uh, the, the, definitely, I will admit that. Um, it's been interesting. We we basically we spent. She just left. Like uh, she went back to Calgary. Okay, yeah. Uh, two two days ago, and it's you know we you, you touched on it a little bit. You know, you, look, I don't care who it is. If I have to hang out with the same person all the time, of course, twenty seven. Yeah. You're gonna, I'm gonna get on your nerves. You're gonna get on mine. So we basically spent from March fourth until two days ago every single day and night together with nowhere else to go. Like you can't like. Hey, let's go to the bar. We'll have a couple and bullshit with other people. Yeah. It's just the two of you. So it's, it's been interesting dealing with that. And then just a couple of days ago, I'm like, look, I'm like, her name's Nori. And I'm like, yeah. Nori, I go, look, why don't we do this? I know you don't have much to do here. There's nothing going on. It's a smaller city. I'm good because I, I can golf. You're not a golfer. I'm like, Hey, I'm like, why don't you go back to Calgary? You know, it's the same thing going that's going on here is going on in Calgary. Fuck all. So I'm like, go back there. You know, you have your kids there take care of that kind of stuff. I'll be fine here. So it's been nice to get a few days to just relax and, you know, do whatever I want, which isn't a whole lot, but yeah. Anyway, to answer your question, she's, yeah, I can't keep up can't with keep her. Can't keep up, yeah. Is she, is she uh, I love your girlfriend. Met her many a times. Awesome, beautiful girl. Um, is she doing the, is she doing the, the commie hair grow? No, she's. No, no, right, none of that. I didn't, I didn't know no. if we were doing this like a, I didn't know if this was a quarantine thing. See how how long we can grow it, and no, okay. I nothing. No, I think she's had that laser. To be honest, okay. She does the late. She that's what she does for a living. It's okay. like injections and lasers and stuff like that. I'm coming so in I'm, for I'm pretty, it. I'm pretty sure I've never seen a hair, so I'm. It must be laser. I'm coming in. I'm laying right sure. on my stomach, and I'm like, go 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 to town. Go for it, girl. It's all yours, Kami. You're the man. You're the myth, you're the legend, <laughs> at Grammy22, uh, follow him on Twitter, he's a beautiful man, world champion, natty champion, obviously, Stanley Cup champion, uh, we'll talk to you soon, thanks for doing this, buddy, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, seriously, and in the summer, if uh, things loosen up, if you want to, we should, even if it isn't Calgary, yeah. if it's somewhere else, let's try and get out and play golf somewhere, awesome. I'm dying to do something, so I'm in for whatever. You're the man, thanks, buddy, love you. Awesome, thanks, man. Cheers, brother. The devil you know, the devil you know, the devil you don't